Welcome to Brand Beats. My name is Andrew Yanisik. My name is Ben Mingo. Uh, my name far. is Erwin. Extremely um, far from the mic. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell me how to do this. <laughs> anyway, so today what we're going to be talking about, um, kind of every every episode this season, what we're trying to do is build upon this overarching thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was super loud. Oh, sorry. You opened that. It was an All accident. Right. Yeah, we are, we are drinking. Um, but anyway, every episode, we're trying to build upon this theme of just what's going on um, overall in the sort of culturally what, what we see happening. So the first episode, we talked about diversity. Second episode, we talked about politicized brands. Um, and now we're talking about uh, tech in our lives. And we really want to kind of look at how technology is affecting our lives for the good, for the bad. Um, where we see as creatives technology going, we do work in the digital industry, so we do see a lot of technology firsthand. Um, but really talk about where it's going, what it's doing, as well as as creatives, what can we do to help influence it for, again, for the good, for the bad? Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that technology is helping society and sort of doing innovation in the proper way, yeah. where it's not having this negative kind of I keep on impact. saying effect so it's not saying having a I mean I, I think ultimately on, on lives. like okay we were just talking about this um, tech in our lives is like an interesting title mm-hmm. I think because you can look at um, tech in our lives as an individual and there's often very positive interactions right yeah. like there's all often very positive but you can look at tech in our lives from the perspective of culture mm-hmm. there's a macro and micro scale to it that is really um a big it changes the way you kind of perceive the impact of it so one of the things we were just talking about was um, silicon valley you know some of the smaller automation um you know jobs that are that are getting replaced by or just just generally automatic rope ai whatever um from a micro perspective you can look at this and go okay great hey this is automation that's replacing jobs that are mundane or shitty or low paying or whatever but from a macro perspective you look at it and it that's still jobs that are out of the market yeah that's still people yeah. out of the workforce even yeah. i mean for the micro too it's that person that just got replaced who doesn't have any other skills who and they see it as like great i just got replaced we're mm-hmm. again like in this kind of bigger scheme of things if we do have this automation it's like great now this company has less employees to hire they're more efficient they can be making and doing better things and innovate faster and kind of have a bigger impact but it's like those individuals that really get left out of the picture right yeah and i think that's what one thing i definitely want to touch on during this whole conversation is the how innovation has become skewed Right, because I think when we talk about innovation, now we attach it specifically to technology. Whereas at one point in history, innovation was somebody doing a cave drawing in order to improve communication between people. So at one point, innovation was just about pushing society and culture forward in a positive manner that increased productivity to help other people. Right, like it, it had this innate sense of like helping someone else yeah. and helping society as a whole. Whereas it seems like innovation now is really about 
just creating things to help the company produce better stuff, but for mm-hmm. who, right? And I think that's one of the things that's, that I feel like even though we all talk about this idea of human-centered design, human-centered creativity and all that stuff, the, the people are being taken out of the conversation. And it seems like it's primarily focused on technology and yeah. innovation and, and putting pushing technology forward and how is technology going to do this, this, and this, and this, right. whatever. Well, I think that's because all technology right now is like the center of everything. Yeah. It's it's like the way we do everything. All innovation yeah. is, is centered around technology. But I think the larger point you're making is innovation itself is just a concept mm-hmm. and it could be applied to anything. And yeah. I think that from, okay, as creators in the design world, we use innovation maybe in how we create interactions. Yet yeah, the medium through which it's it's um, it's done is technology. But in terms of like the innovation is like how a user interacts with something mm-hmm. um, that could be at a kiosk, that could be at a physical place. It doesn't have to necessarily be a technology-driven thing. It could be signage. Um, you know making it easier for people to kind of differentiate between things but it is interesting to me though that like innovation has become so synonymous with technology yeah i think have like loose both have pretty loose definitions yeah yeah Yeah. like again technology i think we think of that in the digital sphere but it hasn't always mean that and Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily always mean that same thing like with innovation but again it's like i think how people have been using those two terms recently it's like it's very much kind of like centered around that like so it's like every startup is like we're innovative we're innovative yeah we're innovating we're using it's a buzzword yeah it's just become this buzzword and i think like the real definition and and meaning behind a lot of that has kind of been lost yeah that's like i think that's like the that's almost the the key and hopefully, again, that becomes like this through line for this whole conversation is that what is innovation? What does innovation really stand for? And how are the companies that are <clears throat> functioning now as the innovative companies, what are they doing? Um, are they doing things that are helping society? Or are they doing things that are going to be bad for society in the long run? And I think it goes back to what you were saying, which is this macro versus micro kind of viewpoint on the different things that these companies are creating. Right. So like on a on a small scale, when you kind of look at, OK, a company creates this piece of technology that makes this job or makes this thing more efficient. Um, it's very good for the company. And then when you look at ads from that company that talk about, oh, we created this like robot that flips fries. Right. It's it makes the company so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. It, it allows the people who are traditionally flipping flies now to do something else and to learn new skills um it sounds very like kind of blue skies and amazing right that's how they market it but then when you kind of look at it on a broader scale from a social standpoint and from like a from a from a human standpoint that person who was once flipping the fries and we kind of just talked about this the person who was flipping the fries now does not have a job yeah He, he is out of a position and so now what does that person do? So even though it was created to free up time to make the process more efficient, that person who once had a job now no longer has a job. Yeah. That is an interesting way of thinking about it though. Like vetting 
um, the quality of an idea through a macro and micro scale. Yeah. Right? Like, if, because one, mm. yes, human centered design, I can always design things that are better for the individual, but is it better for the collective? Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, like, it's super interesting. Because it, because to me, there is always that flip side of the coin. And I think no matter what change you make, there's going to be pluses and minuses. That's just the nature of everything. Like, like you, you, an action has some sort of a reaction, right? Yep. Um, but it would be an interesting way to think about like sort of vetting your ideas. Okay. Like what is the, what is the personal effect of this? But what is like the larger effect of this? Because when you're looking at big ideas, like social networks, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that, like, yeah, like an individual, you can look at it from an individual's perspective, like look at how much more access to people you will have and how many more people you have. But then you look at it and you go, yeah, but we're also diminishing the quality of those relationships yeah. at a collective right. scale. Right. Yeah. yeah. And figuring out, I think it's like a lot of these companies should be held a lot more responsible for thinking of that bigger picture and that bigger context of like, yeah, we're doing interesting things with technology, but what is this like all amounting towards? And is yeah. this like a direction that we actually want to be heading in? Yeah, yeah. It was. I had an interesting conversation with somebody recently where they talked about how we have like the pollution tax, whatever. Like, if you want to pollute, you basically pay a little bit more, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. It would be interesting to kind of take that same sort of look, maybe not actually enact it, but just take that look from just a. Um, thought experiment or a social Mm -hmm. experiment where you kind of say like okay if we apply that same sort of idea to social impact Mm -hmm. or societal impact if you basically were to tax the societal impact of these companies would they still act the same way they do yeah so for example if we take self-driving cars right this great idea right i personally think it's amazing i can get from one place to another very easily it doesn't affect me economically that much. But then if you look at the overarching, just broad effects on our market of self-driving, then you sort of kill all the jobs of the people who are driving 18 wheelers across the country. You kill all those jobs. Mm. You also sort of take away opportunities for all the people that are along the way of road trips. So like all of those little small like gas stations oh, you towns. kill them you kill yeah. gas stations because most of those self-driving cars are electric yeah so gas stations gone um you also begin to kill all like the little mom and pop shops that are along the way when you drive so for us like in california you drive up the 101 get all the way to sf all of like the little mom and pop shops that are along the way that you might stop at now those are gone so do you like there's this larger social cultural ripple effect of just creating a social or self-driving car so on the surface on the surface it's like this amazing beautiful thing it's like hindsight like the pollution seems like a pretty like that's bad we want people to do less of that Mm -hmm. agreed but it's like we don't i don't know if that's I what see self-driving on. cars is a bad thing. I don't oh, know. That's right. I think that's I mean, what I'm saying. I think the issue is, like, like, I mean, you're, you're bringing up this. We, we kind of touched on this mm-hmm. like lightly last, last season, right? Where we were talking about regulation of a technology-driven industry. Like, how much should it be regulated? How, it almost how can it be regulated? Like because it happens. Okay, mm-hmm. for instance, you're talking about impact, right? Mm-hmm. Like tax, right? That's something because that's, that is a thing because we can now measure, as you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah what's going on but with at the rate at which innovation happens or advancement happens now with technology especially 
everything that we it's all speculation it's yeah, difficult it to, yeah. to come down to it so i don't know if it's like if regulation is going to be more of like you can't set it up ahead of time it almost is like if you come up with it's something that you're viable for for like 10 years like there's like a 10-year retrospective like impact on well i mean okay, most, yeah. most regulation happens afterwards after something bad happens sure. in right. society right like that's how most regulation occurs yeah and totally. i do feel like at some point whether it's regulation or just something else, that will have to happen within yeah. this industry just because, like, we read the article on Fast Company about the study that was done where because of automation at some point, there could be almost 40 million jobs lost, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's just like, what do you do about those people? What happens with those people? Um, yeah. Like, yeah. at some point, there will have to be just something that ends up coming in to help take care of that swath or that group of people who are going to basically lose jobs because of automation right right and because yeah. i think one of the big one of the big industry. one of the big promises not even just taxing i think that was yeah, just more like a thought experiment the, i don't right? know if that's yeah like, like well because yeah you don't want to discourage big, people from going yeah, into the industry because good things yeah so many good things because well, one, right, you know? one of the big things and one of the big promises that you always hear when you kind of even when you read these articles and you look at the comments or where you can bat or you say something negative about like AI, automation, <clears throat> innovation, et cetera, regulation, is you hear like those people will be able to find other jobs or this will create more right. jobs. And the right? hard the hard thing with talking about technology is it's hard to separate it from the context of our society. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have a pretty shitty society. Like, <laughs> and it's sorry. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. You mean just generally? Yeah, or? just like blanket statement. <laughs> so it's hard to uh, again talk about technology because again, like I think there's a lot of benefits to technology and. Uh, like again, taxing it or stuff like this is it 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 com comes into this uh, this other place where then we're talking about how does society um, account for those jobs lost and stuff. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like again, it's like what's good for technology is like inherently kind of tied to this context of like how we uh, account for things with society. Again, it's like if we had uh, a thing that has been kicked around in like a lot of these articles of like going forward is like this basic income for everyone mm -hmm. yeah it's like if we had that then just going kind of like full force investing in technology might be a more realistic thing because yeah. if your job gets displaced you have this you social have a, set you, like yeah. yeah you have, you have a safety, safety net, net. Yeah. it's going to be fine like again if it was like utopian society where these people being displaced there was like an education system to retrain them like that paints but I feel a like better a lot of, picture yeah, of what technology is but i feel mm. like that's like also a very idealistic way to look at it which no totally, is what totally, which is what totally. i'm like super scared of yeah with this whole like so technological innovation right. and, and it's push. hard to say though that like technology is bad because people are being displaced yeah that's not technology's fault that's society's that's fault. society's right fault. i agree so with it's that. hard to decouple and it's hard to critique technology mm -hmm. without inherently critiquing, critiquing society. society yeah right i agree and that's why i think this is a very that's a larger conversation yeah about totally, totally society and how society is reflecting or how technology is reflecting where we are in society yeah mm -hmm. and those two things should be coupled together yes right so like as you're creating technology you should be considering if we're 
again, if this whole movement is human-centered design, we should be considering sure. society. Right. And again, what's like, going on in society? Yeah. What's happening in society? And, and that's what's going where, on I culturally? Think, like what Andrew was talking about, yeah. where like the uh, macro-micro is like, I think tech companies do a really good job of just thinking about the technology, yeah. but they yeah. don't think about the society. And the, like, right. what happens when I introduce this awesome super piece of tech yeah yeah in a bit like yeah new piece of tech yeah um they fail to think about how that kind of like uh interfaces with society mm -hmm. and that's where things like really fall short yeah and i do i also feel like we become too reliant on technology where all of our solutions to any problem run out of technology so like when i was just in the san jose airport they had these they had like a playpen and that was for children. And then in that playpen, they were marketing two robots that take care of your kids. And so to me, that was like the wrong solution for a very real problem of the overworked parent. Yeah. Right. So you have a mom, dad who's overworked, can't spend time with their children. So then we introduce technology, which is not necessarily the best thing for a child, because there's also science that shows that having the real hug from a mother is very beneficial for a child. Having the real parent there yeah. is very beneficial like for a child. Contact so contact with people. Exactly, yeah. contact with people. So then introducing this idea of like, oh, your robot nanny will take care of your child is not necessarily the best idea, but it's just sort of seeing a problem and then saying the best, the best solution is going to always be technology. Sure. And I feel like that's sort of the world we begin to fall into is the, the solution will always be technology and not policy. Yeah. Not right. Maybe. I mean, okay, well, we could also look to other models, like something of completely different thought process. But um, I mean, could we look to other models? Like we have had models in history over things that are based on innovation. Like, I mean, look at the FDA, mm -hmm. Food and Drug Administration, right? Where it's like that there's an industry completely that profiteers off of like new innovation. It's usually around drugs. So they've they created a system around a sensible introduction of any sort of innovation into society. Yeah. yeah. So they they their system I mean, granted I think ours is probably too long because there's all oftentimes like benefits that are really good that are people have to wait on or miss in the, mm -hmm. in the you know in the FDA kind of world. But like, okay, so now we okay, we recognize that innovation has a massive cost at times, right? Which is the same thing that any sort of a new drug that goes into society does. Hey, this may save lives, but we're not sure if it's going to kill a million people, right? Like there's a cost that we're, it's a right. or we X don't cost. Know what the, it's a variable yeah, we cost, don't know right? what the long -term So is. what they've done is create a system around, you got to figure out what that cost is mm -hmm. before we go ahead and let you introduce that into before society. Before we back it. Yeah. Right. I do feel like that should be a thing. Yeah. Like legitimately, because even what we've saw with Facebook as of recent, like yeah. they hire anthropologists, they hire people who study culture and the human history and understand how cultures and society has developed. Like somebody had to know. Somebody had to know a social network that has almost everybody on it has the influence that it has. Right. Because I mean, just in general, if you break it down like as creatives, as advertisers, we just are a collection of stories that we tell ourselves. And then when we tell ourselves those stories, we believe them and we are attracted to other people who believe in those stories. And then we like to 
reaffirm those stories by hearing those stories over and over and over again. Yeah. Like that's what Facebook is. Yeah. So it's like how I mean, could, how could people not so, have so, seen that? You're right. Like a hundred percent. Like I think though the issue is there's a difference between what Facebook had, it's a very powerful thing, right? Yeah. It was like a very far-reaching, powerful thing. You know, with, with what happened with Cambridge Analytica, I think that was more of a result of a, a really powerful idea becoming public and beholden to profiteering. Yeah. To which, like, yeah. when you're chasing profiteering with a really powerful thing versus the innovation itself, which is but then it cultural connection. At that moment of it becoming for profit, when it's for investors... Right. At that moment, that's when it should be looked at by whoever this governing body is. Right, exactly. To say like, is this, what are you doing is now? this still for the masses? Yes. Is this still about your ideals of like connecting yes. people? Or is it about making money? Yeah. And honestly, if, if Facebook just was like, we're about making money now, I feel like I'd be totally much more fine with that. They right. totally are. <laughs> well, I mean, I know Wait, that. Wait, hold on. But then they You continue. should briefly like recap the, what happened. No, you can't. I don't actually know perfectly what happened, but uh, Cambridge me, Analytica. Oh, you know. I think this is kind of briefly what I've read, but they hired, uh, I think, a professor to build an app that scrapes Facebook. And just how Facebook's set up is if one person downloads this shitty app that Cambridge Analytica built. Um, you download it, it can reach then all of your friends and yeah. scrape all of theirs. So if sure. like 100 people download this app, it connects to all of their friends and scrapes just like a ton of information, which then Cambridge Analytica owns, and then they can use all of that and basically, information data. to target and people. Yeah, and, Cam and Cambridge Analytica use that data to target people based on personas <laughs> and right. all of that stuff to... For election voting yeah. yeah and that's i mean it's inherently bad when facebook's entire business model is based on kind of playing like loose with the rules about people's information right because that's how if they were actually if they cared about people like they would not make as much money as they well do. and that's they care about making money at a certain point and it probably when they went public, Facebook became an information company, right? Because that's where they make their money. So the way that they loosely set up the rules were, as you said, like if if one person uses your product, you have access to all of the data mm -hmm. that is connected to them, which is that in and of itself to me is like a problematic situation where you're like, wait a second. So my data is, my information is offered to somebody else because my aunt played Mafia Wars. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, <laughs> you know? on, on Facebook's behalf, I guess, it's like, I think the way, however it was set up, it was like technically against their rules yeah, yeah. for right. them to do, to have that information. Yeah, but and again, I, that's, it's like, it's, that's what it I, wasn't like, that fucking hard even for them when to I, get that information. And it's, even yeah, when it's I'm saying like this stuff, like, I feel like Facebook wasn't at, According to the rules, they were not at fault. Like somebody else fucked up. Mm -hmm. Cambridge right. Analytica that, basically whoever stole made that, app, that information. Yeah, shouldn't but have given the that fact that that information is there, readily accessible, is scary. Right. I mean, that's just the yeah, nature it's of like, like it's, the, I think they called. It's like they said it wasn't a data breach. No. Which is like possibly worse. It's like a bank 
saying like, oh, we got robbed, but it wasn't a robbery. It just all the money's gone. We, we, we don't lock our safes. No, it was like we, put, we, put, totally we put your money on the sidewalk. Yeah. And it yeah. all got taken. And it got taken. Sorry. I don't, exactly. Yeah, that's part of our policy. That's sorry. We put it on the sidewalk. The guy who took the money from the sidewalk. <laughs> it totally his fault. Yeah. Get that guy. <laughs> Get that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing is like, and this is the, the larger problem with like technology is that we're creating systems faster than we can properly assess like how easily they're going to be to game too. Yeah. And and people will game any system for any sort of advantage they can get. Mm. So when you have a a system like Facebook is in and of itself, you know, it's a platform. It's like how is it regulation? Is that what it is? Is it like, is it what it used to be like back in the day with journalism where you had to sign it, like you would, as a journalist, you would like write the, you would take a credo, like you would say, I'm not going to do something. Like, it, it's too big to do something like that. You can't trust it. Like, I feel like that's not, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. And I think, so our next topic is going to be decentralization. Yeah. But I think that kind of ties into that, which is you can't do that because that basically takes away people's First Amendment right Yeah. to just be able to say whatever the fuck they want to say well i mean here's the thing is like things like this happen right we're in a really clunky time but these are good these are we're at a clunky these are, time no no, no it's like a clunky it's a it's a clunk, <laughs> well it's a clunky <laughs> time when it comes to technology but what i'm saying though is it's, it's if you clunky. do if you do nothing about it right like look what's happening to people who have made these mistakes like it's forcing the next generation of innovation that comes in to be very cognizant of the impact that they could have, like the power that they have, yeah. like to take it with so much more of a responsibility. And you would have thought Facebook generally would have done so already. And I, I would think largely they have, they just, maybe this is something they couldn't have foreseen. But uh, it does, it's like, it. I think the realization is like the amount of power that technological innovation or social networks or big data has is like a responsibility that companies really have to take seriously. Otherwise you will die potentially because of public fallout over what happened to you. Yeah. You that's, know? that's the scary thing is like the rate that this stuff happens. Like yeah. when was the, the internet was like invented like 92. I believe Al Gore invented it in yeah. 2002. <laughs> I don't know that's a fact. That. You can check that out. But I mean, again, like the rate that like where we've come in the last like, 10 20 years is kind of insane comparing that to like oh. the industrial revolution and the rate yeah. that things change it's like it's changing so fast and i don't think that we've like well we, we don't we, have that like saturation period where it's like we can kind of come to terms with like what is happening it's I just don't like think, i honestly don't think that's gonna happen we're not going to have that saturation period when we come to terms with what's happening. Yeah, mainly because well, technology is moving so fast. Right, and that's once what you, I'm saying. Is like once you create AI and machine learning, like those things. There's already stuff. What was it like? Um, there's already machines that can create the machines better than the people who created the original machine because it just has more learnings, more knowledge. It can learn quicker, etc. So it's just. I don't think it's going to going to be easy to come to a point where we fully understand and fully grasp the things that we've created at this point. 
Like right. it's moving. Which is like the scary thing. It, that's the scary part. Like it's moving. I don't, and I don't think we can because fast. they're like. And I don't think it's gonna be. A, I don't think we're gonna have a Terminator situation. No. Like, well, maybe. Some of this might sound conspiracy esque, but I don't think we're ever gonna have a Terminator situation. I think the situation that we're gonna have is. I can't remember exactly what that article said. Which which one? The one on um, by the econom- the economist who did like the study on what's going to happen with job loss and all that uh, stuff. Like to me, that's my biggest fear. The, like, my my biggest fear is like the people who are going to lose their jobs or be displaced. Oh, by that that's going to be our problem yeah. more than to me. Like technology is not going to kill us. Like it's not robots are not going to rise up because you can just throw bananas on. Yeah. It's right. a fact. It's a fact. Ben, oh. can, ben can explain more about that. that but uh, like that's that's not that's not gonna be like Oh our, the Mario Kart solution. Yeah. Like yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard like, about that. I feel I think like we can put our, that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> our, our like main thing is not going to be like technology and robots rising up against us. But to me it's about how automation and those types of things create do create business efficiency and they create a fixed cost for a business. They don't have to pay for healthcare. They don't have to pay like raises at all. You just pay for that robot to get fixed, right. and that's it. You pay one time to get the robot. Yeah, you're good. Like those things are the scary pieces. It's going like, to displace so much people, it's and it's dis- just like exactly. escalating the uh, the like wealth divide. Yeah, so much that like that's going to be our problem rather than that's my Terminator fear. coming. Yeah, my fear is the the divide that it's going to create through wealth, through socioeconomics, through yeah. all of that stuff. Like the fact that most jobs and all that stuff can be replaced by automation, right? Is is definitely scary. Well, or is the increase in the speed of change that we're going to start to experience just going to force us to increase our speed to react? Because, I mean, I, look, I've already gotten to this point now where I'm like, here, new ideas, like. Like you were saying earlier, right? Like where we don't really know the impact. Mm-hmm. Like this new social network, what was it, Vero, whatever that just came out, Vero? Yeah. You never really know what the fuck is gonna happen. <laughs> You're like, I, don't, I always am like, oh, new social network, huh, Vero? I don't know, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll work out, Did maybe it'll be it? popular, maybe not. Huh? Did you download it? Let, yeah. let me just say that that I did, but I deleted it. I don't think anybody should ever make predictions stuff. about apps, but that one is definitely not going to be no, popular. No, it's very broken. It's like pure nah. profiteering. But but I guess more <laughs> the more the I guess more the point is like there's so much that happens so quickly now that it's and we're so inundated with like news constantly that there's just not enough like room to like sit there and focus and contemplate on whether or not you think something's going to work out or like what the impact's going to be. Right. It, or like are what, we going to become a culture that reacts? Yeah, are we going to become a culture that just reacts? reactionary Where our pace of change is has to just force us to, we now react to whatever happened rather than like be proactive to what may happen. Because mm. I feel like we used to have the luxury of like, contemplating and arguing about things but it's just like technology is coming in and it's like it's so unregulated that you're just like it's a wild west on the internet yeah so and it's like the distribution is so fast that you can have that half-baked idea and put it out and like everyone can see it yeah and everybody can love it yeah yeah even even uh, what's another example the thing that happened was it movie pass or something like that where the uh, they basically create a way for you to like see as many movies as you want. 
like you just buy a monthly pass. You can go see, you book tickets to see as many movies as you what? want at a yeah. theater. Yeah, it's, it's like, movie like a pass. monthly pass. It's a monthly pass, some shit like that. But it's like, it happened so quickly and came up that I felt like, I was like, how, in my mind, I'm like, how is this possible? Like, how are, how are the studios <laughs> like allowing this yeah. Yeah, like, to happen? It doesn't even make sense. Are they just betting that it'd be okay that people don't people see People don't want to see Well, I feel like that's movies. part of, like, people don't understand. And not saying yeah. I do. I'm saying, like, I think we all just don't understand technology. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's honestly moving too fast. Yeah. No one for knows For us to fully grasp yeah. all of the ins and outs of what technology can do and what it's fully capable of. So then we just bet on it. Yeah. So we're already, but that's what I mean. Like, we're the thing we worry about is AI yeah. being able to come up with things faster than we're able to, like, really comprehend what's going on. But I actually think we're already at that point. There's so many things that come out and ideas that come out now that we're at like an oversaturation of these things. So nothing gets properly thought through. Yeah. Because we're you, real. one, you can't predict the impact of one thing when the control of everything else that's happening is so chaotic too. Yeah. Because yeah. one thing influences the other. So it's like, we're already past that point. So it's just like, we're kind of a reactionary culture of like, damn, well, Facebook fucked up. So we should probably try and not let that happen again. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's like, we're at a weird place. <laughs> yeah, we're at a weird place. I don't know what to say to that. I, I mean, there's not an answer. It's I mean, just, it is. It is weird. I think that's why that's the whole point of this topic. Yeah. This topic is not one we're going to offer like any type of like, I, I guess was, we're not going to offer any type of like real solve or real solve. insights. It's literally just like, this is so, this Big. is crazy. We live in a crazy, crazy time. No one knows what's going on. Where technology is really taking over. And I mean, even though it sounds like we're like ranting and like, um, maybe hate technology no i think we we all we all use technology on a daily basis i use uber all the time we, there's like this new thing bird in our in yeah. san diego which i can love it's awesome it's right like i just went to san francisco and used scoot which is an app that allows you to i'm not we're not paid by scoot although scoot wants to pay us scoot, that'd be awesome pay us. Um, yeah anyway like went to san francisco used scoot to like get around on like a little moped which was fucking dope so like technology has this like amazing benefits where it does make the interaction between me and somebody else or like me and whatever like very efficient and easy but then like even when i'm doing those things it's kind of weird for me because i almost separate the social impact from the impact that it's having on me as an individual like right now yeah. right now yeah. like right. it 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 causes me to separate the now from the the overarching kind of social impact yeah. yeah and that's it's it's always weird for me like i always have to deal with that like after i use a piece of technology because yeah. i'm like what is what's what's this mean for society right like how is this going to increase the the divide between this social class and this social class right because right. i feel like most technology at some point will increase well, that divide yeah because i think it's like usually people with smartphones and expensive smartphones it's like those are the people who yeah. are exposed to technology yeah and, yeah which divides it but yeah. so it's I like actually if like, you are that person yeah and in the short uh side of things it's like if you have that ability have to access call to a car world. or 
yeah, have like a sweet scooter to zip around on. Yeah, it's like well, even great. even it's if you like awesome. like go beyond that, like not if you not even if you just have a smartphone, if you have a bank account with money, right? Like oh you can yeah, use totally. Uber, you can use Scoot, you can use Bird, just that free willy, whatever nilly, free willy, free willy nilly, you can you can just use it, <laughs> but like. If you are somebody from a community and whatever, like everybody has smartphones and maybe some some people don't. But some like some people got dumb phones. There's like a big movement around flip phones, phones again. Anyway. Really? Yeah. But it's thing. like mm-hmm. I because I've spoke to somebody that doesn't have a smartphone that doesn't have these apps and all that stuff. And it was just really interesting to notice the it's almost like we're functioning in different economies. Yeah. Where like I'm functioning in this economy where I have access to all this stuff very quickly, very easily on my phone. Whereas this person still has to go out, do whatever, find stuff, find stuff, find stuff. And to me, the whole new economy and where technology is going completely discounts that person. Yeah. Completely leaves them out. Right. And yeah. which again, is like, like hey, if we if we kind of look at like where do I guess that raises the question of do companies even have a, a a need to be worried about social issues. I don't know. I mean, to me, I, th- I think the most interesting thing that it seems like it's like the next thing on the horizon too that we've kind of brought up is like, are there going to be speed bumps put in the innovation process mm. intentionally? Like, will there be? Because I think I think Zuckerberg started talking about this before he was massively hated by everyone. Was just saying like calling for <laughs> regulation of innovation, right? Like. How does a new idea get introduced to the world be, yeah. without without being able to know the impact of the thing? You know, it's and like that's an interesting question, and it's like you never. It sucks because you don't want to be like. It doesn't sound like the right <clears throat> way of doing things. It doesn't seem like the right way to do things. But there are very powerful ideas out there, especially today when everyone is so connected. And in, in a digital space, like any particular idea or technology, could massively affect your day to day or your your rights. And um, it's like, how carefully do we want to tread with how we introduce things to people or to everyone? Is it just? Yeah. Is like, it like a honestly? It doesn't even have to be that crazy. It could be like, hey, we have to force a, a model like FDA, but instead of. You're not going to kill people with this, but like, okay, well, we have to localize the impact, right? Like, let's say you're only allowed to release an innovation in a city for a year, and then you have to do it in like, in within like a region for like three. You know and what I mean? Like, like measured and start to understand the impact and the concerns and the risks. Right, and measure it. And yeah, understand it. But it, I mean, at the same time, you do something like that, and it hurts business, right? It's like not free. No, like, it's not like the innovation it's that's like as wild. And, I think yeah. that's why we've gotten to the point we've gotten to where with innovation being such a big push, you know, is that there's so much profit to be made. That's why everybody who's like 22 years old with an idea and a hoodie, hoodie can make like a billion dollars in fucking in investments yeah. from people with this, you know, so. As creatives, where do we see, I guess, our position, our jobs, how do we see our jobs affected by automation, AI, etc.? I think from a, I've I've often thought about like this from an automation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's to the point now where original ideas 
are gonna be a concern because I feel like automation now is all about input output. So yeah. it's all about things we've learned in the past and based on this set of data, it's less about coming up with something new, more about what's the best. What's the best way to execute. Exactly, like what's yeah. the highest percentage of an opportunity. Yeah. And that's the way we think, but we also are willing to take bets yeah. and, and work on intuition. I think one of the interesting things that, because we've had this conversation a lot in our office, and what we've come to is that if you're a model, you're good. But before that, like, so if you're a creative director, if you're art director, if you're kind of coming up with concepts, yeah, you kind of take risks, mm -hmm. you push the boundaries, and then you have production to kind of carry out some of those ideas. But the traditional flow to become an AD, to become a creative director, to become an owner of an agency is to go through sort of that pipeline mm -hmm. of entry level production work, um, junior designer, senior designer, art director, design director, creative director, etc. But if those positions, and this is now kind of broadening it out to all industries, if entry-level positions are now taken over by automation and AI, then how do you become a manager? Yeah, how do you become a director? It's like, how do you level up? How do you level up? When those, like, or is those, that something those you... Those first steps are cut Those first steps are cut off. Um, or is it like, now you have to go to do... Does now education restructure to be about just training people to be at those higher level positions. But then if we kind of like look at that long-term, does that mean that that education is now more expensive? Yeah, it's like this catch-22 because there's no way that you can be, uh, like again, those I think higher functioning positions like creative directors and design directors, it's like, yes, you have those hard skills that can be taught to some extent, but I think the majority of it is those soft skills that you learn through just experience and being exposed yeah. and like those beginning steps. So if those are cut out from you, it's like, I don't see how you can go to school to be a creative director. Right. That seems it's like a, it's, it's a, a, it's a little bit of like a, you thing. need the failure. You yeah, need the 10,000 yeah. hours of practice. Right. Yeah. It's like, you need to be that junior designer looking at the creative director and yeah. like trying to pitch these tiny ideas to a creative director yeah. or what it, whatever yeah. it is. Like what does the path look like when there is no more production? When designer? there's no more entry level. Right. When what there's is, no is, production design where you're sitting there and yeah. just grinding through that piece of it. Because I think in order to lead that piece of it, you have to understand that piece of it. Yeah. Well, you don't have that as a frame of reference anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Which I think is... like everyone in our industry has been in that position yeah. where you're just like kind of pushing the pixels, like doing that production work. Right. And it's like, if, if there does come something that pretty much more or less re replaces you, it's like, how can you have that jump? And again, it's like, I think it's going to just create that divide of like the people then who can pay for education, who can, who are brought up in like the mm -hmm. creative class. It's like, those are going to be the people that come into these new positions. And it's like the, um, you can't like have that kind of mobility anymore. Yeah. It's just scary. Yeah. Cause you, yeah, you get to a point where you're like, the more automation comes in for the mundane, the more you 
do less and think more. Yeah. But I personally think that you think more when you've had that, like you're talking about that expertise and that experience of the doing, you know, like that, that experience is like valuable in the thinking process yeah. Yeah. Uh, or the leading process or the relationship process when it comes to working with clients. You know, I mean, there's, there's so much that's a potential to be lost by automation in the creative space. Yeah. Hmm. Even if it's even if it's not the creative itself, it's just the quality of that creative. Yeah, but I mean, again, like just kind of thinking through it, um, it's like maybe that path does become more this like smaller company, bigger company. It's like again, you're not out of school, probably going to be the creative director of Apple, but you could be at the local, like your local, like uh, I don't know bagel shop or whatever. <laughs> what? They your need local, creative directors. Your local bagel shop <laughs> creative yeah. director? But you know what I mean. It's like so having that you're, same you're basically position. Saying like, where junior, it's like your junior level positions basically come creative director positions at smaller companies. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like I, I don't really know the answer to this. Just thinking it's like then how when you take you out have those all like the answers. When you take out the production steps, it's like what does that path look like? Yeah if those jobs only become those higher level uh, or yeah, the higher thinking like design director, creative director, it's like, how can you level up yeah. in that space? It's, it's kind of interesting though, because automation, like I also feel like there's potential that there's just a market for people who want things made by people that will come out. They want like the same way we want high quality product. We want high quality product that comes out of things like are we also going to have that same desire? Like, I want something that has a story and it becomes more of an expression of art. Right. Like, it's like whenever everything. you call in to a call center and I have the robo call, like, I just, I yell at it, like, give me a live agent. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just want to talk to a person because I know that they can, like, tailor that experience. But for me, in but no for me way the, that the fear is that, like, because maybe, yeah, there will always be that human touch, right? But I feel like, then the economic divide yeah. is still there. It's actually though, like now people who have money have access to real hands. People who of don't course. have money, you get the automated version. You get the yeah. automated pizza. If you have money, you get like the fresh handmade pizza. To me, that's that's sort of that is the scary part about it. Again, it's not that technology is going to fully take over and all of that stuff. It's that it's going to create this larger divide between the haves and the have nots, right? Whereas like the have nots at some point, and, I, and it's kind of scary to be like, at some point the have nots will basically say, oh, I remember a time when like, we were able to get pizza made by people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to me, that's the, that's like a big piece of this whole like automation thing is like yeah maybe the people who have the money will always be able to pay for the person yeah right to be able to go to the restaurants that have the the real person making the food that has the celebrity chef making their food creating their food whereas like everybody else ends up having to go to the the automated variation or version of that restaurant they don't have access to these like new things. No. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think we've reached the end. <laughs> Until next time.